I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Howdy and welcome to Wikishuffle episode 84. This is the Random Article podcast where we press the Random Article button on Wikipedia and then do some chat on whatever happens. I'm Philip Sharman and I'm joined by Chris Wallace. Hello. And Ruth Bradley. Hey. Is that, is that a good one? Nice. Oh, I'll keep mm. that one then. I probably won't do it next time I'll forget. Mm. Well, this, this is meant to be your last time anyway. So make the most of it. Yeah, you Jack's always say back. that and you keep coming back for more. <laughs> I like to think it's due to popular demand. Mm, no one's really mentioned you anywhere. That's not true. Jack said you're doing a very good job. I guess. So we're going to press the random article button on Wikipedia. We're going to talk about what happens. That's that. See you at the other side of the intro music. See you at the other side of the intro music. That's new. Just keeping it, keeping it new, keeping it fresh. It's very old Radio One that. You are very daily, Travis. To mm. look at. You wouldn't look out of place in an old Radio One lineup. Are you talking about down the police station? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here is the intro music that we will see you on the other side of. This is interesting because I can intersperse with this article some personal stories and anecdotes. That'll be fun, won't it? Everyone likes to hear about that. Yes, things that happened. People... Usually, but not, not from Not you. from me, no. <laughs> Fiona Bruce. Ah, Fiona. Fiona Elizabeth Bruce, born 25th of April 1964, is a British television journalist, newsreader and television presenter. Since joining the BBC in 1989, she has gone on to present many flagship programmes for the corporation, including the BBC News at 6, BBC News at 10, Crime Watch, Fake or Fortune, and most recently, Antiques Roadshow. From 2003 until 2007, she also anchored her own current affair series, Real Story. Fiona Bruce is the the BBC lady. The BBC lady. When I think of Fiona Bruce, I just think of BBC. BBC. I'm not that familiar with Fiona Bruce, really. I don't watch that much current affairs programming. I do obviously recognise her face, though. This has not been on Jersey Shore for you to... <laughs> now, that would be good. Not enough Celebrity Big Brother appearances for my uh, no. tastes. Fiona would not touch Celebrity Big Brother with a barge pole. Absolutely. You'll see. That'll come out. Like, <laughs> yeah. She'll be the she's first the, person in She's in the frigging Love Island. I don't think her bottom would be up to par. <laughs> Sorry, Fiona. It might be. I don't know. going to Google it. We had our bum special last week. I think it's a little bit demeaning to the professional newscaster Fiona Bruce to be focusing on her bottom. She has been on Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, I go. think that she might do Celebrity Big Brother. They're not no, 100 they're a hundred miles apart. They are. They're a world apart. No. I don't know. I suppose they don't want you shower, do they? On, uh, don't you work out and get all sweaty, though? And wear spandex mm-hmm. 
and grind upon a man that is not your husband. No. Fiona Bruce was born in Singapore to an English mother and a Scottish father who had worked his way up from a postboy to become managing director of a division of Unilever. She was educated at Gayton Primary School in Heswall on the Wirral, the International School of Milan, and then the sixth form of Haberdasher's Askey Hatcham College in New Cross, London. It was during this later period that she modelled for the stories in the teenage girls' magazine, Jackie. <laughs> Brilliant. That is pretty brilliant. The photo stories that would appear in the girls' magazines. Uh, I seem to remember about 80% of the picture friends would be of friends sitting on a park bench and gossiping. That would be the sort of I don't remember sort of ever seeing them, but you obviously were a fan. <laughs> Bruce studied French and Italian at Hartford College, Oxford, during which period she was a punk and for one Ooh. week had blue hair. Oh, Fiona. Specific fact. So I googled Fiona Bruce Bottom and found out that she won Rear of the Year in 2010. Oh. As reported by the Daily Star. Mm. And there's a picture of her proudly showing off her bottom in jeans, may I add. <laughs> That's all we've got to say about that. Congratulations, Fiona. So you asked if I, um, about... We didn't ask, you just keep telling <laughs> you just, us. You're desperate to tell us why. Tell us your Fiona Bruce That anecdotes. time you slept with Fiona Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Did you touch her rear of the year? I don't believe that I had any contact with her rear. In 2001... You remember the heady days of 2001. Mm -hmm. Chris, what were you up to in 2001? Being born. (laughs) (laughs) How old was I in 2001? 14, something like that, I think. Oh, God. I know. You can work it out, though. It's counting, though, isn't it? Mm. Well, I was 21, if that helps. (laughs) Young teenager. In 2001, I was at university, um, at Bournemouth University, studying screenwriting. I may have mentioned that before. It's not exciting itself, but I had to go and do some work experience as part of my course. Okay. Somehow, I ended up doing my work experience at Crime Watch, the BBC flagship oh. crime story oh. programme thing. So for two months in 2001, I was in London working on Crime Watch at the same time that Fiona Bruce and Nick Ross were presenting. Oh, so you were like mates and that. So we were like mates and that. Nick Ross was the nicest guy and just the most consummate professional man I've ever witnessed in my life. Mm. He just had this air about him where he was in charge of everything. He knew exactly what was going on and just knew how to get the best out of people and was just really likeable. Was he a secret Jimmy Savile? No, definitely not. He was far too professional to even consider anything untoward like that. And he's on Crime Watch. Hiding in plain sight. Ah. (laughs) No, I'm I'm not having a bad word said against Nick Ross because he was brilliant. Fiona Bruce, on the other hand... Massive perv. (laughs) (laughs) She touched you up all over. She was... Am I... Am I... Slandering? Am I slandering? Am I um, in danger of ruining any potential future career I might have with the BBC? More than one person on the production team referred to her as Fifi LaBruce. That was the little nickname they had for her. What does Wonder that mean? She, knows this. she was quite demanding. Uh, y- yeah, she was. Was she a diva? She, she was a, a little bit of a diva. She was. The room definitely went quite cold, and everybody got a bit nervous when she came in because they weren't sure what she was going to demand next. Was she being carried by naked strippers? Yeah. Not quite, <laughs> but she'd sort of swan in. 
Swanning. Swanning. Oh, that's that's harsh words. That is. And be a bit sharp and want things done her way, and then swan off again, leaving people thinking, "Well, what do you really want? What? Why are you even involving yourself with this?" And (laughs) I don't think Nick Ross sounds like the guy who would have put up with that shit. Well. I, I don't know that he would have done. I don't know what their relationship was like because I don't remember seeing them Passionate. in the same room together. <laughs> Ruth's making a suggestive motion <laughs> that maybe they were fucking. Mm. In Fiona Bruce's defence, I didn't spend very much time in her company at all. She was never rude. She was never unpleasant. And she was about 20 months pregnant at the time. So you're never going to get a true representation of a person mm. when they're literally about to drop. And I was this... 21-year-old runner that had no business being there and probably misinterpreting everything. So she might be lovely. She sounds lovely. But when she's on the telly. <laughs> <laughs> she was quite hard work. But maybe maybe she's nice. Maybe... Mm, well, she was yeah. a punk and for one week she had blue hair. Mm. That... I can't dispute that. Nor can I offer evidence to support that because she didn't have blue hair when I met her. I'm sorry, Fiona. I'm Fifi. sorry if... You were never aware that people behind your back were calling you Fifi LaBruce. I don't know. That is that a bad thing? thing or a good thing? Well, Fifi LaBruce. I don't... That's weird. Were they saying it in a certain way? Uh, yeah, they were saying it in a... Uh, oh, look at you, little princess. Like, ooh, Fifi LaBruce. Uh, yeah. Like that. Did you join in on picking on Fifi LaBruce? I didn't pick... No, I didn't join in on anything. I didn't really want to be there. The whole thing was just a I bit... Did, how could you not want to be on Crime Watch? I would spend the entire time pretending I was on, like, CSI. Because they got that big board and they're putting out all mm. the identity things and... Yeah, that bit was quite fun but there was a there was a grimmer reality to it which wasn't fun which was when I had to be there when we were interviewing a rape victim oh okay nice. so Ooh. it all yeah. got a bit real a bit quick yeah. Yeah. that night I wasn't actually in the room with this woman but she was recounting the story and so we had all the VT of her telling this fallen very sordid story of how she was attacked I did get to be in a couple of the reconstructions though did you actually I want to find them are they on YouTube they're not on YouTube. Oh. I was in two different reconstructions. As one the criminal. Of them, one of them, I was the suspect. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got a speaking part. Uh. But the story got dropped from the show. Oh, so they did a reconstruction. It was this, It was a really, I don't want to say tame story, because that's a bit unfair on this woman. But she'd got a peeping Tom, basically. That <laughs> you played a peeping <laughs> Tom? <laughs> yeah, pretty much I, pay, I played what a What did you have to say? <laughs> I can see you. <laughs> not quite. Do you remember your lines? I can I can do it for you, yeah. actually, if yeah. you like. Do it in character. So this woman, she'd had this chap looking through her windows and making her feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. basically stalking her, but she didn't know who it was, and so this was the story. But nothing more serious than that had ever happened, so in the end it got cut because it wasn't a significant juicy enough crime. Enough. It wasn't juicy enough. Prior to this happening, while she was in her front garden, a pair of workmen had driven past in a van, and one of the workmen had leant out the window and said something innocuous to her. You played a workman? So I played a workman. <laughs> We were in this white van that had been hired especially for the occasion. (laughs) I got to lean out of the van, bang on the side of the door through the window and say in my best Essex accent, Oi, oi! And then drive off. (laughs) Is that it? That was it. That was my line. (laughs) (laughs) Oi, oi! And um, that was that was my. And that's all she had to go on. I think that's really unfair because that's oh, it was probably it was. absolutely nothing to do with peeping Tom Man. Exactly. So and it didn't make yeah. it into the episode anyway. And then in a story that was aired, which was about a racist attack on a bus, <laughs> I got to be one of the people getting onto the bus. I've got a VHS tape of it somewhere. Ooh. I'd like to see that. 
getting onto a bus on Crime Watch. Were you getting onto the minutes. bus as the racist abuse was happening? I, um, Did you have to do a face? You know, I can't remember. I didn't. No, I didn't have to react to any racism. Oh. Thankfully, <laughs> that would have been outside of my range. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's quite. That's a next level acting. Whereas Essex boy, <laughs> it's Essex, definitely something uh, yeah. that you could relate to. And I didn't look like an Essex boy at the time. I had a full beard, which nobody had in two thousand and one. Whereas, so whereas now you're saying so at the time you didn't look like an Essex boy, but I, now you're hitting that nail right on the head. Yeah. <laughs> so there we are. That's my experience of Fifi LaBruce. Mm. Fiona Bruce. Her name is not Fifi LaBruce. And I apologise. I don't think that... I think you're right. I think It's not the quite... worst thing ever. It's not like she was... Maybe she made it up. Maybe she did. In which case, that's fine. Maybe everyone knew and that was an open thing and it was given to her by her sister and it was just a nice thing. It didn't... It wasn't said very nicely. It's a shame. Poor Fifi. Maybe what I'm describing is just institutional sexism within the BBC. Maybe that's what it was. And people just didn't like the fact that she was a successful, powerful woman. But that's not the impression I got. Ooh, uh, powerful. <laughs> He's yeah. a big hitter. If looking when I've seen Antiques Roadshow, Fiona Bruce is a powerful woman. She does she have a powerful respect. effect on you? She does. She yeah. does uh, almost as much as Kirsty Young. Oh, crikey. We know how much of an effect Kirsty Young has mm. on you. Which one's Kirsty Young? Is she the property one? No, that's Kirsty Olsop you're thinking of. Oh. Kirsty Young is the one that does Desert Island Discs. She's a Scottish one. She's, she's very lovely and a very good interviewer. All right. Well, it's Chris that's got the... No. <laughs> For the podcast audience, <laughs> Ruth just mimed Chris having a wank. <laughs> Specifically to Desert Island Discs. <laughs> Which is an unusual one. This is the calibre of content we have and why none of us are Kirsty Young. Because Kirsty Young would never do that. You don't know. She might be doing that the whole time she's filmed. She's like, recording, you know, recording discs. and the guests are just like... What are you doing? Dealing with it the whole time. And she's just there like making like sex fingers and wanks. And oh, a d- double teaming. A double teaming. <laughs> double team there. wank. That was one man with two penises. Mm-hmm. Mm. This would be two different penises. <laughs> It's good that your repertoire of filthy mimes is so extensive. <laughs> but that's what Kirsty Young's doing the whole time. She's recording Desert Island Discs. That must be distracting. And she's got people for... on there, you know, just regular people like Judy Dench. Would she go on Desert Island? I imagine they do. Probably Dench already been I reckon she'd join okay. in. I think she'd quite like that. She's a bit naughty, isn't she, Judy Dench? Not in a sexy way, in like a cheeky... Sexy mime sort of way. Cheeky, sexy mime. You'd definitely see Dame Judy Dench doing that. <laughs> <laughs> You've done them all. <laughs> That was my impression of Judy Dench doing the blowjob face. (laughs) (laughs) After leaving university, Bruce joined a management consultant firm for a year, but found the experience depressingly dull. I'm sure everybody does. That sounds horrendous. I dreaded the meetings, the tedium, the fact that I was in the wrong job. I was so unhappy I used to cry in the loose at lunchtime. Oh, God. Aww. Oh, poor Fifi. After this, she worked at a number of advertising agencies, including Bose Massimi Pollitt, where she met her future husband, a company director. She then went on to meet Tim Gardam, at the time editor of Panorama, at a wedding, and pestered him until he gave her a job as a researcher at the BBC on the programme in 1989. Ooh. Do that, pester. Pester to get a job. You can't, though. That's the thing I learned from my brief tenure at the BBC. The amount of pestering and arm waving in the air to get your attention that has to be done by everybody that works in the media mm. is absolutely exhausting. No, I don't mean at the BBC, I mean like Greg's. Oh, yeah, you could probably do it at Greg's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that they hire that many researchers. Someone's yeah. got to test the pasties. 
<laughs> True. After becoming assistant producer on Panorama, she made the change to reporting in 1992 on Breakfast News. She then moved to BBC South East, appearing as an occasional presenter and reporter on Newsroom South East and a weekly current affairs programme, First Sight. From 1994 to 95, she was a reporter on the BBC Two current affairs programme, Public Eye. She then reported for Panorama and Newsnight. In 1999, as part of a major relaunch of the BBC's news output, Bruce was named secondary presenter on the BBC Six O'Clock News. That's like the big job. It's a pretty big job. A big news job. Um, Again, a job I could do. You could do news reading. Yeah, I could do news reading. Mm-hmm. I could do. I think I could handle that. Because there's an element of acting in it as well, isn't there? Because yeah, if you have to read a particularly difficult story, there is a face they have to do where everybody is looking at them directly. You can't step out of line by accident or. Do blowjob mine. You definitely can't do blowjob mine. One of the main rules. That is, that's that's in the book. I I think I could do that. I think I could read out tragic stories like this. Chris is doing a stern face. That's very stern. Ah, because we should do like happy stories, like about people going to the seaside. Back when they come back. Oh, oh, that's a smug face. (laughs) And let's find out what's going on today with the weather. It's been a hot one, hasn't it, Kevin? And then Kevin will say. After the murder of Jill Dando, Bruce took over the position of co-presenter on Crime Watch alongside Nick Ross until and Philip Sharman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until both were replaced by Kirsty Young towards the end of two thousand and seven. Kirsty Young again. Mm. So she had a load of other jobs. Antiques Roadshow. Bruce was featured in an episode of Top Gear, sharing a lift with one of its presenters, Jeremy Clarkson. As she walked away, Clarkson commented, without her knowledge until the programme was aired, she has got quite a nice bottom. I said that out loud, didn't I? Oh, Clarkson. Oh, Clarkson. Hasn't Clarkson done exactly the same as we did? Are we criticising Clarkson for doing what we've already done? I never said she had a nice bottom. I just suggested that... We reduced her to her buttocks fairly early on. Only because we've been talking about rumpology of late. Mm. I Mm. agree with that. And also, we've said it first and I just followed her lead. And yeah, she's allowed to because she's a woman. She can be as sexy. She can be... I can be as sexy as I like. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you were saying, and I know. (laughs) Know. Bruce returned to Top Gear in the next series alongside fellow ne- newsreader Kate Silverton for the star in a reasonably priced car feature. As a riposte for the nice bottom comment, she slapped Jeremy's and declared it needs mm. a bit of work. Uh, imagine touching Jeremy Clarkson's bomb. <sighs> oh, knowing his future. <laughs> accidentally finding out what's going to happen to him. Uh, Rumpology was last week. Go and listen to that and then you'll understand what we're talking about. Since then, she has occasionally stood in for a holiday in Clarkson in his Sunday Times car review column, which she referred to as the ultimate revenge, perching my bottom, nice or otherwise, on his patch. Don't perch your bottom on Clarkson's patch. A less serious side of Bruce is also displayed each year on the BBC's Children in Need telethon in the regular section where newsreaders break out from behind their desks to take part in a song and dance number. That's always the most painful thing in the world, isn't it? Bruce has often been outspoken regarding her commitment to feminism, expressing concern at a 2006 poll that suggested that almost three quarters of women no longer saw feminism as necessary. The contradictions are still there in society, this is a quote, the contradictions are still there in society, which is why I think feminism is still very relevant for me, and it's just such a shame that it's become a byword for mustachioed man-hating women from Lebanon. What? What does that mean? (laughs) 
Why from London? Is that it's a, a shame that feminism has become a byword for mustachioed man-hating women from Lebanon. What the hell? I don't know what that means. Is that something I'm missing? Is that like a Lebanese, Lebanese feminist? Is that a thing? I don't know. I mean, I can kind of understand the mustachioed man-hating thing, sort uh... of, but from Lebanon, that's just weird. Mm. Despite her firm views on the subject, including a disappointment in women who don't like working with other women. From the sounds of it, then maybe they just don't like working with her because she likes to be referred to as Fifi LaBruce. She claims to have softened her more extreme views from her university days, where she once ran a hilarious anti-pornography campaign. I feel like more detail is needed. What, just because it mentioned pornography? <laughs> no, because hilarious was in the quotes. And in inverted commas. What, hilarious. What, what was she doing? Shall I Google it? Fiona Bruce, hilarious, anti-porn. No, just type in Fiona Bruce porn. There'll be less words and it'll definitely get you what you want. Yeah, what I want. I'm not getting anything. No, there's no um, citation either. So maybe somebody's just made it up. Bruce met Nigel Sharrocks when he was director of the advertising agency where she worked. He is a non-executive chairman of Digital Cinema Media. They married in July 1994. The couple have two children, Sam, born 1998, and daughter Mia, born November 2001. See, told you. Oh, oh, yeah. She was, she was really pregnant. Um, <laughs> Not just pretending. I wasn't making it up. So that, that was Mia. Maybe that was Mia pulling the strings. That's how pregnancy works, right? You basically get piloted by the fetus inside you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. I thought as much. Relax is the debut single by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, released in the United Kingdom by ZTT Records in 1983. The song was later included on the album Welcome to the Pleasure Dome in ah. 1984. Mm, nope. You weren't alive, is that what you're working out? No. <laughs> I was thinking I have a story, but I'm not going to tell it. Oh, no. A story about your experiences with the song Relax? No. I remember first hearing it. And I remember my dad was a member of Britannia Records. Do you remember that way? The subscription thing where they'd send you a record every month. Yep. And you'd listen to it. And if mm. you liked it, you kept it and they'd charge you or you sent it back. And he got Welcome to the Pleasure Dome and Dome and put it on. And we were in, living in a little cottage and we didn't go to my dad's very often. So it was every other weekend. And me and my brother sitting down and he was playing this record to see whether he wants to keep it or not. And this song came on. And going round our junior school at the time was the relax, don't do it, pick your nose and chew it. You may mm. or may not be familiar with that. And we just burst into giggles and couldn't take it seriously. And he's like, why are you finding this so funny? And we were like, ooh. But because we didn't see him very often, we were too scared to say pick your nose and chew it because that would be well bad. <laughs> when, when actually being about blowjobs is fun. Whoa! <laughs> is it about blowjobs? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm yeah, hoping maybe to find it out, to actually. It's definitely <laughs> got very sexual well, yes, but undertones. I, I never thought it was blowjob related. Well, not at that age, I wouldn't have hoped. Not when you no, were No, I mean, still... at this age, I think you're just obsessed with blowjobs, obviously. Isn't, mm. it, isn't, isn't it like when you want to suck, do it, or something? When you want to suck it to it? I don't know. Maybe you should read out some of the lyrics. I would like, mm. I would like that. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll get there. Although fairly inauspicious upon initial release, Relax finally reached number one on the UK singles chart on 24th of January 1984, ultimately becoming one of the most controversial and most commercially successful records of the decade. The single eventually sold a reported two million copies in the UK alone, making it the seventh best-selling single in the UK singles chart's history. 
Following the release of the group's second single, Two Tribes, Relax rallied from a declining UK chart position during June 1984 to climb back up the UK charts and reattain number two spot behind Two Tribes at number one, representing simultaneous chart success by a single act unprecedented since the early 1960s. That's quite impressive, really, isn't it? Yeah. I've never done it. Chris, yeah. you ever done that? Uh, not that I can remember. I could do that, though, if I wanted to. I'm sure you could. Yeah. In much the same way as Chris could be an Olympic swimmer. I can be an Olympic likes. swimmer anytime I want. Anytime you want. I just haven't. Okay. He chooses not to. Hmm. Like I choose not to be a supermodel or mm-hmm. a pop star or... Ballerina. Yep. But you can achieve those goals. We just don't want to at the minute. Yeah, it's our choice. Upon release in the United States in late 1984, Relax repeated its slow UK progress, reaching number 67 upon initial release, but eventually reaching number 10 in March 1985. The song won Best British Single at the 1985 Brit Awards. The song was used in the film's Body Double, Police Academy, Gotcha. It's also in Zoolander and The Proposal. It was featured in a season one episode of Miami Vice... In the Simpsons episode Home of the Smithers, and in the video game Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories. ZTT Records signed Frankie Goes to Hollywood after producer turned ZTT co founder Trevor Horn saw the band play on the television show The Tube, on which the group played an early version of Relax. Does Chris know what The Tube is? I mean, is it a Channel 4 thing? That's quite remarkable, isn't it, that they were getting unsigned bands on The Tube? The, the notion of yeah. an unsigned band existing in that way. Because everyone's so fervently hunting everyone down before they'd get a chance mm. to do that. And the idea of there being an undiscovered gem is just impossible today. Horn described the original version of Relax as more a jingle than a song. High mm. praise. <laughs> <laughs> but he preferred to work with songs that were not professionally finished because he could then fix them up in his own style. Once mm. the band was signed, ZTT co-founder Paul Morley mapped out the marketing campaign fashioned as a strategic assault on pop. Mm. Morley opted to tackle the biggest possible themes in the band's sing- singles, sex, war and religion, of which Relax would be the first, and emphasised the shock impact of Frankie members Holly Johnson's and Paul Rutherford's open homosexuality in the packaging and music videos. Well, thinking about it, the sex, war, religion thing... He did a pretty good job because those three songs are that and they were massive hits. So, Mm -hmm. fair play. Horn dominated the recording of Relax in his effort for perfectionism. The band were overawed and intimidated by Horn's reputation and thus were too nervous to make suggestions. Johnson said in his autobiography, whatever he said, we went along with. When attempts to record with the full band proved unsatisfactory, Horn hired former Ian Dury backing band, The Blockheads, for the sessions. Interesting fact. I've learned something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds like you just told Chris off. Yes. Well, I wasn't sure he was paying attention. Have you learned something, Chris? Yeah, all right. I have. Yes. It was the blockheads that played on the session that recorded Relax. That's interesting. That's I used to think you make like, oh, you know what? Phil would probably be a good teacher. No. No. You would not. No. <laughs> That's not how I'd you tell kids things. Just spend my entire time lambasting the children for being so stupid. And also crushing their dreams. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> their idiot little child dreams. Yeah. You can be an Olympic swimmer. No, you fucking can't, child. <laughs> Look at your bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would do all of my marking based on touching their bums. So that is so creepy. Big, that exactly. Is safely, That's Travis. Why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those sessions were later deemed to be not modern sounding enough. Oh, so the Blockheads weren't actually on it. Horn so then constructed... Wasn't it wasn't even a fact. It was <laughs> just the Blockheads exist. We've learned something new. 
another something new. Horn then constructed a more electronic-based version of the song with keyboards by session musician Andy Richards and with rhythm programming assistance from J.J. Jezelik of Art of Noise. Horn developed this version of the recording in his West London studio while the band remained in their hometown of Liverpool. Ultimately, lead vocalist Johnson was the only band member to perform on the record. The only contribution by the other members was a sample crafted from the sound of the rest of the band jumping into a swimming pool. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Interesting, though. Interesting. Just trying to, try to get you involved. Just trying to, you know, make it feel like we're doing this for a reason. Horn. <laughs> <laughs> At what point in the last 80-odd episodes have you thought we're doing this for a reason? Yeah, never. At no point. Horn explained years later, I was just, look, relax had to be a hit. Despite the band's absence from the record, <laughs> Horn said, I could never have done these records in isolation. There was no actual playing by the band, but the whole feeling came from mm-hmm. the band. Horn completed the record having spent £70,000 in studio time. Jesus. Morley intentionally courted scandal with the promotion of Relax. ZTT initiated the ad campaign for Relax with two quarter-page ads in the British music press. The first ad featured images of Rutherford in a sailor cap and leather vest. Sexy. And Johnson with a shaved head and rubber gloves. Sexy. (laughs) The images were accompanied by the phrase, All the nice boys love seamen. Seamen. See, I imagine Mm -hmm. in 1984 no one had made that (laughs) double entendre before. And declared, Frankie goes to Hollywood are coming. Oh. Making Duran Duran lick the shit off their shoes. 19 inches that must be taken always. What? That was all in the advert? 19 inches that must be taken always. 19 inches? That's not... That's ridiculous. I thought... I I mean, 12 inches would make sense. It was a record. Hmm. And that'd be a big pee-pee. Creepy use. I was going to say penis, but I stopped myself. It would have been less creepy if you said penis. That would have been a big penis. <laughs> if you say it like that, it's more creepy. When first released in November 1983, the initial progress of Relax on the UK Top 75 was sluggish. But then on Thursday, 5th of January 1984, Frankie Goes to Hollywood performed Relax on the BBC flagship television chart show, Top of the Pops. On the 11th of January 1984, Radio 1 disc jockey Mike Reed expressed on air his distaste for both the record's suggestive sleeve and its lyrics, which centred on the oft-repeated Relax... Don't do it when you want to suck, do it. Relax, don't do it when you want to come. He announced his refusal to play the record, not knowing that the BBC had just decided that the song was not to be played on the BBC anyway. Maybe it's about blowjobs. Hmm. Well, yeah, I've always assumed that it was... When you want to suck it, do it. Mm. It doesn't scan nicely, mm. but... Oh. In support of their disc jockey, BBC Radio banned the single from its shows are reported two days later, although certain prominent nighttime BBC shows, including those of Kid Jensen and John Peel, continued to play the record. The now banned Relax rose to number two in the charts by 17th of January and hit number one spot on the 24th of January. By this time, the BBC Radio ban had extended to Top of the Pops as well, which displayed a still picture of the group during its climactic number one announcement before airing a performance by a non-number one artist. Controversial. Mm. 
This went on for the five weeks that Relax was at number one. It then began a slow decline on the charts, falling back as far as number 31 before returning to number two in July, while Frankie's follow-up single, Two Tribes, held the UK number one spot. In the end, Relax remained on the top 75 for 48 consecutive weeks and returned in February 1985 for four more. The band became an embarrassment for the BBC, especially given that UK commercial radio and television stations were still playing the song. Later in 1984, the band was lifted and Relax featured on both the Christmas Day edition of Top of the Pops and Radio 1's rundown of the best-selling singles of the year. Nice stance you took <laughs> yeah. there. Really stuck to your guns, the BBC. Throughout the relaxed controversy, the band continued to publicly deny that the song's lyrics were sexual. Nevertheless, by 1984, it was clear that the public were aware of the sexual nature of the lyrics, but the scandal had fueled sales anyway. The public are slow. In 1985, with the release of the Welcome to the Pleasure Dome album, which featured Relax, the band dropped any public pretense about the lyrics. Everything I say is complete lies. Like when people ask you what Relax is about, when it first came out, we used to pretend it was about motivation, and really it was about shagging. No, not blowjobs. The first official video for Relax, directed by Bernard Rose and set in an S&M themed gay nightclub, featuring the band members accosted by Buff Leatherman. Buff Leatherman. That's a good newscaster name, isn't it? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the news. I'm Buff Leatherman. <laughs> I think you'd be the sportcast person. And now the cap. sports with Buff Leatherman. I reckon you would quite suit a little leather cap, Phil. Maybe one of those little leather waistcoats. It's like you've got the beard for it. Hmm. Uh-huh. I'm one of those, like, chain holsters. There's definitely a bit of the bear about me. Mm. Uh, I won't deny. <laughs> if, if, if Is there a bear in you? If, if, I'm gonna, if I was to choose a gay subculture to slot into... Um, <laughs> <laughs> You'd choose a bear. I probably would end up being a bear. But not. I don't really have much choice. So I'm not going to be... I'm nobody's twink. For a bear, you have to be quite big. I think you're too small in stature. I think you'd be... What's there are bear a, cubs. Isn't it a mole? A smaller bears are called bear cubs. So I'm I'd possibly it. be a bear cub rather than mm. a full-on bear because I'm not quite big enough. What, I know a, quite a lot about this. In the penis department. Otters are a thing as well, which I think are quite, quite toned hairy men. And good swimmers. Otter, that's it. Not. I don't mole. think I'd be. No, I think otters are a, a fit. I'm not fit. It's one of those. I've ones. never really understood the leather thing in general. Sweaty, smelly, yeah. clammy. Sticky. Yeah. It probably makes fart noises once you are sweaty yeah. wearing it as well, which is not sexy. Yeah. So the video featured the band members being accosted by buff leather men, a glamorous drag queen, and an obese admirer dressed as a Roman emperor. And there we are. And then there's all the track listings, including on the B side was a was a version of Ferry Cross the Mersey. That doesn't that, <laughs> That's that doesn't seem to fit quite to me. That was Wiki Shuffle episode 84, in which we discussed Fiona, Fifi, LaBruce, and the Frankie Goes to Hollywood song, Relax. Don't do it. If you want to suck, do it. Don't. I think it's if you want to suck it. Either way, it doesn't scan well. It's not a great, <laughs> it's not a great work of poetry. No. But, but it's a good song. I'm not, not, you know, well, done. well done. Well done. Horn and co. 
<laughs> not, not, the, not the members of the band. They didn't do shit. So, anyone got any stories to tell? Anyone doing anything exciting this week? No. Oh, God, it's a, good job. it's a good job we've got Wikipedia to fall back on, isn't it? Because if we were expected <laughs> to talk about the events of our lives, no one would be in any way interested. Chris is racking his little brain trying to think of something that might be podcast worthy. I think he's going to pull a blank, though. Or a muscle, by the look of the strain <laughs> that he's doing there. No. Um, we will see you again next week. Ruth, thank you very much for your six-episode stint on Wikishuffle. Yes. It's been a pleasure. Theoretically, this is your last outing, but we've said that before. Well, you say that and then you just keep coming back. Yeah, um, but we've definitely had enough of you now. Oh. So thanks for that. Um, we'll almost certainly see you again at some point. Certainly I will. I seem to be obligated to do that kind of thing. Thanks for your contributions. I like to think I probably will see you again as well. <laughs> no, you yeah, told me no. you didn't Never. ever want to. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, off air, you said, oh, God, we've really got to record mm. with Ruth again. I said, yeah, I'm sorry. but Shit. Yeah. Uh, we can't do it just the two of us. Because I show you both up by being too funny. Yeah, that's, that's mm. exactly And it. clever. Yeah. And insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just problem after problem. It's my mind, isn't it? Sexy, They're off-putting. Sexy mimes. <laughs> they were off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> Distracting. In their sexiness. <laughs> <laughs> you brought that on yourself. Oh, do that thing again where you do all the dicks at once. <laughs> <laughs> that it's was... all got weird. It's all got weird. <laughs> <laughs> that was the second verse that they left off. Uh, yes, Relax. It was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, find us at wikishuffle.co.uk. Follow us at wikishufflepod on the Twitters and follow us on Facebook. If you'd like to leave us a review on iTunes, this is the thing that everyone on podcasts is supposed to say all the time and we never get around to. Mm. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. It's always nice. If you press the random article button yourself, we would like to know what you found. We guarantee it is probably a moth. We don't bother with mm-hmm. the moth articles anymore because what more can we possibly say about them? That's a really good one that comes along. A really great moth. Yeah. Hasn't happened yet. Mm-mm. And we'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.